raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go straight to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on Emma Jo Morris, politics editor at Breitbart News. Previously uh, worked as deputy politics editor at the New York Post. Reported the exclusive Hunter Biden laptop from Hell series. Emma Jo, how are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, I'm happy to be with you. You know, I, I think your career is really interesting, and I want to talk to you here maybe after we talk about the Twitter file dump. I, I, I want to hear all about your time at the New York Post and what the last two years have been like for you. Uh, you know, it, it's got to be one hell of a roller coaster ride you've been on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, to say the least. <laughs> so, I definitely want to go back to the beginning here, but... First, the Twitter email file dump from Elon Musk. What did you think? Did we learn anything new? What was left out? Um, what what exactly was in this thing that we need to know about? Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a lot that we learned, and then there's even more that I think was left out. But um, let's start with what we learned. So just so your listeners are aware, um, I am. I broke the original laptop from Hell series at the New York Post. Um, I when I was deputy politics editor there, that was on October fourteenth, twenty twenty. So I've been living this now for about two years. It's obviously become um, a major theme in my career, especially as this was never really dealt with, um, and and the scandal that surrounded it was never really dealt with. So you get information kind of on a week by week, month by month basis, and it keeps coming up, and it just never goes away. Um, but yeah, so this is the latest in this whole saga. And um, I'll start with what I thought was interesting insight and revealing about what came out on Friday, and then um, I can move on to what I thought was missing. So what I thought was the most interesting line that came out of this whole thing um, in the Matt Chaibi thread was how um, how... Okay, so Twitter deputy counsel is a guy named Jim Baker, and that name may sound familiar. It does, um, yeah. He, yeah, he was former senior FBI, and he was at the center of the Russia hoax, um, the fake story about Russia collusion that the FBI was you know, fake investigating for two years or three years, even during the Trump administration. So he kind of fell up from that debacle and ended up at Twitter um, at a, in a management position at Twitter wow. in, in council capacity there. So he is in these emails that were released by Matt Saidi and Elon Musk. And you see him kind of being like, um, you know, there's information that would lead us to believe that this is a hack and leak. Um, and and there's also information to say that, you know, it's from an abandoned laptop. But let's err on the side of censorship. Let's let's assume that it's a hack until we're proven, um, you know, until there's proof otherwise. Um, but the problem with that is that um, on October 14th, in that story that they're talking about, the New York Post publishes its first, um, you know, its first kind of in the series of the laptop from hell Reporting. And in that first story, um, obviously, I explained like how I got this information, um, the provenance of it, how I got it, what I have, um, and why I believe that it is worth reporting, and why I believe that it's authentic. You know, and I and I laid all of that out in that first story. 
Um, and within that explanation of why I thought that this was worth reporting, I have a subpoena, a federal subpoena that was given to the computer repair shop guy who originally got the laptop from Hunter. Um, and he basically had seen what was on the laptop. He called Hunter to come pick it up after he was done his work on it, the service. Hunter never picked it up, right? And then 90 days lapses. And then after 90 days, um, Hunter never paid for the service. He's abandoned the laptop there. It becomes the laptop repair shop guy's property. So he knows what's on it. He kind of freaks out and he decides he's going to call the FBI and give it to the FBI um, just so that he's just not in sole possession of this thing that may have illegal, you know, documents on it or yeah. something that maybe is illegal for him to be in possession of. You know, so he just gets the FBI involved as a precaution and he gives them the computer and gives them a copy of the hard drive and they in return give him a federal subpoena that's kind of like a receipt. So that was passed on to me and shown to me as part of, you know, my verification of the story. And I published that on the story that I published about the first tranche of emails that I was revealing. So back to Jim Baker, he would have seen that document and obviously recognized that that would have been part of his day-to-day life and his capacity at the FBI. Um, So... I thought that the the biggest takeaway for me from the Twitter files was really um, obvious willful ignorance on the part of Twitter and especially on the part of Jim Baker. He should have seen that document and said, you know, this obviously is in possession of the FBI. They've published a subpoena. Um, this doesn't look like a hack. Or if, let's say, he thought in some sort of... <laughs> crazy circumstance that the New York Post fabricated such a document, he could have also called the FBI and asked if this is a real and authentic, um, you know, obviously subpoena, and does the FBI have it, which he would have done, and and Matt Taibbi reports that Twitter does get into contact with the FBI on a circumstance like this. So, um, So the whole thing just really showed that they didn't have an earnest, you know, attempt to try to figure out what this was or, you know, moderate it fairly. This was willful ignorance. They wanted to censor this and they just needed a predicate. So they threw one on. Okay, it was hacked. They knew it wasn't hacked. Emma Joe, Jason Hammer here. So with this Twitter dump that we saw last Friday, the Twitter files, who came out looking worse? Was it the Twitter brass at San Francisco? Was it the FBI? Or was it the Biden administration? The campaign turned into administration. Who came out worse? Um, I think that this is most humiliating for Twitter, to be honest. Uh, this was this was a huge embarrassment for them. You know, they at least need to have some sort of air of credibility, even if we know that they have no credibility. They try to kind of give this impression that they really are trying to be neutral arbiters as, as best they can. And this really just destroyed that. This destroyed that. This showed a company that, A, was completely disorganized. B was completely ideological and unfair, and C um, has zero dissent, absolutely zero dissent. Um, one of the things that I actually also meant to mention in my first kind of piece of this answer um, from the last question was what it didn't show, and yeah. and it didn't show a couple of things. The first thing that you know comes off of what I just said is it didn't show one person in that company who said. 
Um, wait a second. This is a mainstream outlet, the New York Post. It's owned by News Corp. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch. This isn't some fringe weirdo who's, who's um, <laughs> you know, muttering about something and it's going viral. Yeah. This is um, a, the oldest paper in the country. This was founded by Alexander Hamilton. Um, you know, Maybe we should, uh, you know, call the editor-in-chief of the New York Post or call News Corp to figure out what's going on before we jump to censor. There was not one single person that did that. There was not one voice that, that questioned the decision-making um, of erring on the side of extreme censorship. Like, do you realize, like, they wrote um, in, this, in this Twitter file stump that they were applying the same mechanism on the New York Post that they applied to child porn. You know, think about that. Um, okay. And not a single person, not a single person said, hold on a second. What are we doing? There's an election in three weeks. Did anybody reach out to you, Emma Joe, specifically from Twitter or even the FBI? Did they reach out to you specifically? No, absolutely not. No. Um, Twitter was in contact with the New York Post um, at one point in this whole thing. But the reason was because the New York Post was negotiating with Twitter about unlocking its account, which stayed locked for 16 days at the time. So the editor in chief of the New York Post was in a back and forth with Twitter um, trying to get the situation handled in terms of getting access back to its at NY Post official Twitter account, which it relies on, obviously, to proliferate information. Speaking with Emma Jo Morris, a politics editor for Breitbart. She worked for the New York Post and broke the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story. Uh, Emma Jo, I know you have a piece on Breitbart right now about a uh, possible government interaction with Twitter. I know the files, the emails didn't really mention the FBI specifically, but you do seem to think that there was some guidance from the government in terms of suppressing and censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. And that's exactly right. So I published a story on Breitbart um, that says um, we have um, three instances that we know of um, that indicate that the FBI and the intelligence community were guiding censorship policy at Twitter. And that was one thing that I was really um, focused on, the fact that I didn't see that from Matt Taibbi. And there's another tranche of uh, Twitter files coming out of Barry Weiss, if I'm not mistaken. That's what what Elon Musk said. Um, So we should be expecting that in the next few days. Um, And I'm hoping that that touches on this issue, because we know for a fact this came up there's three different pieces of information that we have that we know FBI was involved in this. So I'll, I'll go through them. The first was Mark Zuckerberg in August. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience, which is a very popular podcast, obviously yep. hosted by Joe Rogan. And um, I don't know if you or your listeners remember, but when Mark Zuckerberg was on that podcast, he kind of casually mentioned actually in conversation about the laptop from hell and its censorship on Facebook. He mentioned he goes something to the effect of, Um, The FBI gave us a heads up at Meta, which is the parent company at Facebook. He said the FBI gave us a heads up that there were um, hacking um, attempts on members of the campaigns and, um, you know, to be vigilant about misinformation and hack and leak operations that would be going on and disseminated on social media. So Mark Zuckerberg said that it was that tip that made him on alert for something to that effect. And then the New York Post comes out. And and keep in mind, by the way, we did not hack it. No source of ours hacked it. Hunter Biden abandoned his computer, and we wrote that in the story. But Mark Zuckerberg saw this. He saw personal information about Hunter Biden floating around. He saw stories um, that were gleaned from Hunter Biden's personal hard drive. And he just assumed, oh, this is what the FBI was warning me about. I must censor it. 
That's number one. So Mark Zuckerberg himself admitted that the FBI was tipping him off on censorship practice and what he should be looking out for in the lead up to the election. That's number one. Number two, uh, Miranda Devine at the New York Post, who's my former colleague and, and my mentor and you know, we go way back, and she reported uh, just the other day um, on Sunday night that um, Yul Roth, who is um, a former Twitter employee, he was the former head of trust and safety at Twitter and, and a major censor at Twitter, he uh, testified to the FEC um, in actually in December of 2020, um, but it's just getting unearthed now, that he was in uh, monthly and then weekly meetings with the FBI and with, he says, quote, members of the intelligence community. Um, he was in meetings with them in the lead up to the election where they were advising him that there was going to be, again, a hack and leak operation. And he says, actually, that they even explicitly mentioned Hunter. And they said, be careful about a hacking of Hunter Biden that's going to be disseminated on Twitter and you have to be ready for it and it's going to be misinformation and you got to censor it. And so that's instance number two. And then instance number three, Fox News reported on just on Saturday, actually, that um, Elvis Chan, who is a FBI agent, testified under oath to the attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana who are in lawsuits now about censorship. And this FBI agent said that he was organizing at first monthly meetings, which then turned to weekly meetings when it got closer to the election, with up to seven agents and members of big tech companies and management at these companies to talk about misinformation, to talk about censorship, and uh, to warn them of, of you know issues that they should be aware of and to, to warn them to censor them. So, you know, we have these three examples that we know of that have been reported and set under oath in some cases, um, of of social media and the FBI both admitting that the, these communications were going on, these meetings were going on, they were extremely frequent. And listen, you can call it misinformation or Russia or whatever. You can justify it at however you want. What was going on was the FBI, and in Joel Roth's case, he says the intelligence community, which leads me to believe that that was probably, you know, CIA or NSA, they were advising censorship practice. Yeah. That's it. Yep. I, you know what they're classifying it now as um, a distraction, <laughs> according to the White House. This <laughs> right. is all just a, right, a big right. Dis- it's old news, you know. Right, right, right. I, I look, Emma Jo Morris is uh, Breitbart News. She broke the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story from the New York Post. And uh, we're running out of time here, Emma. Um, I, I, I think we—I feel like we could talk to you for an hour straight with no commercials. And <laughs> this is—I'm um, assuming people have reached out to you now that you, your reporting has turned out to be 100% accurate. People on the left have reached out to you and apologized. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that- oh yeah, of course. The phone's off the hook. <laughs> and uh, Brian Stelter yeah. to uh, line up to apologize. Yeah, too bad I can't cash in apologies at the bank. Emma, what are you working on right now at Breitbart? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm politics editor at Breitbart. I've been writing columns, you know, stunting on my haters and yeah. uh, sharing my thoughts more generally. <laughs> and where can people find you, uh, social media, and, and your work? Yeah, please look at my byline on Breitbart. I'm on Twitter at Emma Jo NYC. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from listeners and readers. I love hearing back. And, and please reach out. Uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. 
Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.